The Retro Lounge is a look back into the archives of the Recruiters Lounge podcast with Jim Stroud and Karen Matinen. The Recruiters Lounge podcast posted weekly between the years of 2005 and 2010. With energy, wit, and opposite points of view, <laughs> Jim Stroud and Karen Madden discussed, debated, and squabbled like children over HR issues that affected the workplace and society overall for the benefit of all who would listen. This episode of the Recruiter's Lounge originally aired, uh, okay, I knew before I started this, okay, it originally aired February 27, 2008, the original title being, In Case You Did Not Know, Stagflation Sucks, and this was the original description. Jim Stroud and Karen Matten discuss stagflation and how it affects the recruiting industry and life in general. Also, be careful how you classify your workers because it just might cost you a billion dollars. Yeah, that's billion with a B. If you hire consultants, you cannot miss this episode. Plus, we react to your letters. Keep them coming. All this and the usual bickering and bantering you've come to love here at the Recruiter's Lounge. Find out what Karen Matinen and I said back on February 27, 2008 after this word from my sponsor. Recruitment marketing, as compared to maybe employer branding, is all about getting your message and your story in front of the right audience. It's a lot to manage, and what Practic Talent does for our clients is we help centralize so you have one partner, one vendor to help you manage all those relationships. And not only that, we help you track the effectiveness of every media dollar you spend on hiring so that you know in real time that you're getting the greatest ROI for your marketing investment to attract great talent into your company. We help our clients with recruitment marketing in a couple ways. One is in recruitment marketing strategy. And with that, we really take the time to help you build the right strategy. And then we get mutual approval on that strategy before you spend a single dime. The other way we do this is through our agency of record service. This is a partnership with you where we're able to reach out to publishers on your behalf to negotiate better pricing, to execute on media campaigns, uh, and really act as an extension of your team. Some of the benefits that our clients have seen working with Practic Talents Recruitment Marketing Services is an overall reduction of 30% cost per applicant. That's really significant. It's showing that we're able to leverage great technology, programmatic, and we're also flexible and scalable. We're platform agnostic. We're always gonna use whatever the greatest and latest technology is, whatever the best platforms are to help create efficiencies in your media purchasing so that you're always on the cutting edge. For more information on Proactive Talent, visit them online at proactivetalent.com or click the link in the podcast description. Radio, radio, radio Innovative audio on demand. Hi, I'm Jim Stroud. And this is Karen Matinen, and welcome to the Recruiter's Lounge. The Recruiter's Lounge is a podcast of news, interviews, and commentary on the recruiting industry. And it was designed with you in mind. So sit back, relax, and enjoy your time in the Recruiter's Lounge. SGA Executive Tracker Pro is an online service providing contact information on thousands of executives at each of the top public and private companies. And here it is, people. It is 100%, yes, 100% telephone verified. 
constantly updated, highly accurate, and comprehensive. With SGA Executive Tracker Pro, you have at your fingertips the contact information of C-level executives and all of those essential director and management level personnel that you just can't seem to find anywhere else. Listen up, people. SGA Executive Tracker Pro can dramatically shorten the amount of time it takes you to find the best leads. Hey, pick up the phone right now and give them a call. Tell them Jim Strauss said, I could have a free 15-minute online demonstration of your product, and I want to see it right now. The number you need to make that happen is 518-843-4611. That's 518-843-4611. And, of course, you can also find them online at www.sgaexecutivetracker.com. Hello, boys and girls. Welcome to another exciting episode of the Recruiter's Lounge. I'm your host, Jim Stroud, and sitting beside me in the lounge chair, looking as lovely as she'll ever be, Karen Madden. <laughs> and you hear in his tone the voice, this just total frustration just kind of icing out, right? That was because of the conversation before him. Oh, oh absolutely. These people don't know what I go through just to get them this great content. Anybody who knows me can probably as can they kind of guess. If they listen to the podcast long enough, they can guess. <laughs> <laughs> you know, at least you can say one thing. I can recognize it and I can laugh at myself. Oh, oh okay, all right. Well, the, one of the was going to hang up. By the way, guys, I wouldn't hang. Well, yeah, I would. Okay, <laughs> all right. <laughs> Before us, we have a list of topics that we're going to discuss, and the first one we're going to talk about is we're going to bounce off with this um, recent blog post I put up, which helped start the whole uh, conversation between Karen and I. Um, there was an article in uh, Financial Post, up at the title of it was Deep Recession Feared in the United States. Everybody, I was right again. Uh, economists, and I'm going, to quote a little, I'm going to quote a couple of lines from this article. Economists are no longer talking about a U.S. recession, but a deep recession mm-hmm. after figures yesterday show business sentiment continued to plummet in early February. Mm-hmm. Forecasts for a more severe retreat came as CIBC World Marketers forecast U.S. house prices would end up sliding 20% before the dust has settled on the American housing meltdown. CIBC estimated 50% of U.S. homeowners who took out below-prime mortgages in 2006 will end up in a negative equity position owing more than their house is worth. As far as the case is concerned, uh, somebody said, uh, recession and a severe one at that is already underway, which brought the word of the day, which is? Stagflation. Stagflation. That is now, the word of the day. It really is. In fact, some people who are old enough to remember back in the 70s. I was too young. Oh, yes, so was I. But the thing <laughs> is, is that stagflation is actually worse than a recession, and that's just, that's what they're saying we're in, okay? Mm. It's like, think of a wedge, you know, and think of stagnation and then inflation. And so what we've had here is no, a, a, lower, a lowering of salaries and wages, right? Yep. And it's been the fourth time in five years that we've had a lowering in salaries and wages. I mean, nobody wants to believe that, that wages, and, I mean, we're talking hourly and weekly. That means that the monthly paycheck as well as the hourly employee have had their wages lowered for the last five years, four times in the last five years. And then on top of that, our inflation is now the worst 
ever seen since the 70s. You know, when I, when I hear the term stagflation, mm-hmm. I always think about the, um, the theme song to the TV show Good Times. Well, yeah, think of that. I mean, yeah. that's about right because, yeah. I mean, think of that kind of what's going on with that time frame. Yeah. Because it is hard to think. I mean, the problem with stagflation is harder to get out of than a recession. That's mm. why in the 70s it took so long to get out of that one. And we meet the same issues. We have a, There's a war, right? Yeah. Then you also got to look at the fact of, of gas prices. I mean, can you remember those long, long lines just at the pump to get gas? I remember reading stories, and again, I wasn't there, so I'm just quoting history, um, <laughs> where people, where gas prices were so high, they were kind of low in comparison to today, um, but they were considered so high that people were, were siphoning off gas tanks. They would sneak them on people's cars and That's right. pump gas out of their tank and put it into theirs. Yeah, they used to use a hose, you know. Yeah. And was... the thing is about this, too, look at this, man. I mean, our actual purchasing power has dropped daily, weekly, monthly, and yearly. We're looking at basic necessities. If you keep in mind, we're looking at that inflation is up, has gone up 4.1%. Yep. But bread prices up, are up 7.4% last year alone and growing. Eggs went up 29%, milk 13%, coffee 6%, chicken 5%, energy 17%, tuition 6%, health insurance 10%. So and all your real, then on top of that, real wages are down. Mm. So you can see the problem we have here in, in regards to that we're not keeping a balance. And the fact is even less jobs have come into the economy. And then on top of that, there's a lot of pink slips. We had a tremendous amount of pink slips last year, I mean last month. Yeah, and I'm, and I'm wondering how this is all affecting the middle class. It's like making them disappear a little actually, bit. Actually, that is quite true. The middle class is known. In fact, I wanted somebody to, if you guys could look up this article. Mm. It's called The Blue Collar Jobs Disappear. Well, send, send the article to me and I'll post it on, on the site. In fact, I'll send you two. One is called yep. The Blue-Collar Jobs Disappearing, Taking Families' Way of Life Along with Them. And mm. the other one is The American Dream Alive. Uh, and another one is The Increase in Inequality is in highest on the record. This is through EPI and their issue brief, okay? Mm. And one of the reasons I like to use EPI a lot for my information is because they're nonpartisan. Right. And another reason, too, is because they have seven Ph.D.-level researchers as well as administrative communications development, executive and financial professionals, and then they also use a national network of prominent scholars to help So it's a them. huge think tank. It's a, and it's nonpartisan. So that is a huge thing for me as well because they're not coming in with information that's based upon personal beliefs. Now, let's go with what or you're Or spinning towards any particular uh, administration's advantage. Absolutely, and that's why I think well, their information is one of the most solid. And by the way, they have presented to our government hmm. a plan to help try to improve the economy by creating more jobs and how to do so. Guess what? How would they do that? I'm curious. May, well, their main issue is saying, if they're saying is to create more jobs, is maybe to, is to go to the school, for one thing. I mean, California, exactly, was where they wanted to start. Right. And help start redeveloping those schools, give them more better heater and air conditioning, you know, fix up the water and the holes in the roofs. So by improving the infrastructure of local schools, that's going to bring in more jobs? Of course. I mean, the number of jobs, think about it. First off, that's like heating air conditioning units that they would have in all of these schools. Mm-hmm. They would have to put new, you know, people, roofers to go. That's just construction jobs alone, oh, which so is, by the way, the worst area being hit with regards to jobs. Oh, so, that's, so the first quick hit would be HVAC and construction by doing this. Absolutely. Yeah. And then also if we go ahead and then have more information with the te- if we can improve the schools, we get also better teachers wanting to coming into those area schools. Right. 
okay? And so now you can improve with the teaching, and then you're going to have more people wanting to also be con- con- considered being teachers as well. Yep. Because it's a thing that goes to when you live in a um, – there was um, research done in some of the ghettos, okay? Mm-hmm. They found that if they painted the ghettos and had them put plants in the ghettos and they put, you know, improved the looks of these ghettos, that people actually got happier and were beca- they believed in themselves and they took care of the ghettos and there was less crime. Hmm. So that could also happen in the schools. Right. And I'm thinking about that and I'm thinking about the 70s and thinking about a bunch of hippies painting uh and we murals on the side of buildings y? and planting flowers. And we complain about Generation Y. I'm just thinking about a bunch of hippies painting, you know, murals on buildings and planting flowers and trees everywhere. That's uh-huh. that's, that's and as I said, saying. we complain about Generation Y. But now, let's go back to something you said, okay, mm. about, you know, companies and and how the middle class is eroding, right? Right, because then I want to talk about companies because I'm going to tell you what I think companies are going to start doing, and I know we talked about this earlier as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I know when things get tough, companies want to save a buck. Mm-hmm. And one sure way to do that is to um, take on contractors and, and, and dump uh, full-time employees. I uh, think, yeah. I I mean, think, maybe I shouldn't say dump. Uh, well, yeah, I'll say dump. The H-1B visa is one of the biggest things that's being exploited right now with right. these companies, right? Yep. yep. We talked about this. In fact, it has displaced workers. I mean, millions and millions of American workers have been displaced because of H-1B visa. Yep. I just read an amazing article written by the um, some uh, government agency that deals with, with immigration, and they have proven scientifically that scientifically, okay, I'll have the article for that one too. Please. That technology and H-1B visas, um, and we're not talk, have really harmed the financial aspect of the employees and our our countries. For example, for I mean, example, yeah, explain that because because uh, every time I hear about H-1Bs, I was hear about companies, major companies, um, and usually they're technical companies uh, lobbying for more H-1B. Um, allowance because they just need that much help because it's not that much help here in the states. They have to ship off or recruit in H-1B sponsored and foreign nationals because there aren't as many Americans that can do the technical stuff. Right, that's what they say, and that's yeah. what a lot of the launching and lobbying has been saying is that we can't afford to go ahead and. I mean, they're saying that we don't have a lot of Americans to do the job. Okay. Well, and you, well, in that sense, you got to look at some of the. Um, the uh, school enrollees. I mean, people aren't enrolling in computer science like they were back in the day. Well, actually, no, we have more people enrolling today than we back, had back then, but we have less jobs today. I don't so know. You go, now, hold on. You go on Monster mm-hmm. or Career Builder or any other job board, and you mm-hmm. type in software engineer or software developer. Now, mm-hmm. there's always tons of jobs there. A lot of people post jobs, Jim. doesn't mean that they have a natural opening. Well, yeah, you got me there. Okay, I mean, now listen, I'm going to read something to you, and this is from mm. Programmer Skills. Mm-hmm. While the U.S. lost about 500,000 tech jobs between 2000 and 2003, right. Congress admitted about 500,000 foreign tech workers on non-immigrant visas, L1 and H-1B. That resulted in the displacement of over 1 million American workers. These visas provided no protection for U.S. American workers. Now, I see this as a recruiter on a consistent basis, where I've seen a tremendous number of employees who have been out of work for more than a year 
This is so disproportionately high. I mean, everybody was saying, hey, we have this low unemployment. Well, then why are these people staying out of work for so long? But, is, but hold on. But isn't it, isn't it a fact that before you can post um, or pursue an H-1B candidate that you have to prove that you've gone through extensive measures to find someone here in the United States? Hey, do you remember a while back we posted about a – we talked about a video um, done by a company called Cohen and Grisby's, a law firm? Oh, yeah, they're showing how to scam the system. Yeah. And do you know how much money these companies, these lawyers make in helping companies to scam the system? Well, yeah. Do you know why companies scamming the system? Because it's cheaper to um, – because it's cheaper to get outside labor at H-1B status than it is to hire people here in the country. I mean, it's like uh, American. He's got a used to. He's gotten used to his cost of living. You know, his house and his car and all that stuff, right? Right. And so he need, He's used to also making eighty-five, ninety-five thousand dollars a year. Hmm. Thousand a year. Okay. Mm-hmm. And then this guy comes in from India. Okay. Or from some other country. Or China. Or, or, or China. Or Brazil, or which is. Trying to come up I'm a not bit. against any anybody on H1 because there are some legit H1Bs visas. I want to make sure here there are some legitimate ones, okay? Mm-hmm. But there are some, but there's a tremendous number that are not. Because do you want to know what's also interesting? Do you know who actually are the biggest users of H1B visas? Oh, I know this one. Those are um, uh, outsourcing companies. Guess where the biggest outsourcing companies are? They're are from? They are from India. Yes. Yeah. Yes. I mean, that's what's the scariest part, and that's one of the reasons why the government is cracking down on this, because the outsourcing companies, and by the way, a lot of them are actually becoming, because these, um, these guys are cracking up because they've also been putting in phony illegal visas. Well, what Cornell yeah. study found that, 20, that these guys were being paid 30% less and then Forbes said that H-1B visas were being paid 25 to 30% less. So that both, both Cornell and Forbes said that, yes, they were being paid about 30% less. But, you know, eventually um, they're going to get wise to this, and their, their salaries are going to start raising up. And, what do you mean? I mean, after a while. They're, they're kind of doing well, okay. Yeah, I mean, like I said, it's, like I say, it's, it's, started, it's started, starting to happen. It's starting to kind happen of. now. But it's kind of. But the thing is, people want to come live the American dream so bad. And they're supposed to come here for only a year. So a lot of these guys are going to do anything. And believe me, I know this for a fact because I was in that boat once, huh? and I wanted to mm. come live in America so badly, right? Mm-hmm. I would have cut off my right hand. Lucky for me, I fell in love, got married to my ex-husband, had three kids, and, you know, we did it. I did it legally. But I couldn't wait to come live in a wonderful America, right? All right. And so the thing is, I mean, people will cut off their hand to believe, come live what they believe or perceive as the American dream. And the thing is, here's the deal. These people are coming over here, and they are living in – remember, these contracting firms are putting them up in these hotels, okay? Right. And so they're paying for all this stuff. And guess where the money goes? Money isn't staying in America. Like it's supposed to – again, this is why our country is being well, you can't. Well, you can't say supposed to. I mean, people have, a, have their own right to send the money where they want yes, to. Yes, but the problem is, is that it harms our economy. Yeah, I could sort of see that. No, I mean, it's like why do you think the government is trying to give us this huge stimulation package? Mm-hmm. We're supposed to all get this million dollars, you know, billions and millions of dollars of money, you know, that we're supposed to go ahead and please go buy something and help stimulate the economy. They tried this in 2001. It did not work. Not sorry. The 2001, I think it was. Well, the, this when no, Clinton, when Clinton was leaving, right? Huh? Just when this, towards the end of Clinton's 
term and beginning of Bush's term? Actually, no, it was before um, I was in Reagan, so this isn't 2001, so please forgive me on the year. I'm mm-hmm. not sure. This was in during Reagan's time frame. Yeah, Reagan was in 2001. That's why I said please forgive me on this. It was during the Reagan's time frame, and, and he tried a package back then, and I remember it was 91 or something like that. I can't remember, but they tried the stimulus package. Mm-hmm. It did not work. I don't know why they're trying to go ahead and repeat something that's not going to work again. But here it is, is that, you know, let's take that analogy. So here you've got all these millions of people living in America, and they're being paid American dollars, American wages, yeah. and then the money, instead of staying here, it goes back to family in India, which is making India a better, higher middle-class company. So you think India is going to eventually become the new America? They the, are. The new American It has already be been. New, in fact, that's one of the reasons that the senators right now, Congress is so angry because what's happening, they're seeing too, and these people are coming, a lot of people are coming to America, and instead of staying for the two years that they're supposed to, they come only for three to six months, and then they're coming here and learning our trades. They're learning our secrets and taking it back with them. And these, in other words, we're educating our competitors to be better than us. So instead of outsourcing, well, in addition to outsourcing jobs, we're outsourcing America itself? Well, yeah, because that's another thing to think about it, too. If we take the jobs from America and take them also to India or China or South America, wherever, again, we're taking money away, tax dollars, et cetera, away from our borders. Well, yeah, so we're well, losing look, millions and millions of dollars in taxes. Let's look at the flip side of that. If we um, put up a virtual border around our country and no one can come in, we do no business with anyone but ourselves. Oh, no, I mean, no, no, we don't want that. Yeah. So, I mean, so what's the solution? Not to outsource? We have to outsource. I mean, no, we don't have to outsource. We have to outsource something. We have to do business with other countries. So no, do we business, can do so business, do business with, with other countries, but we don't have to outsource. Not and especially not. This is also why companies are coming back into the borders as well, uh, insourcing the new outsourcing, right? Because mm. it's not working anyways. But the fact is, no, we don't. We didn't have to outsource before 20 years ago. We didn't have to outsource 30 years ago. And what was different then? Well, we had people. The first of the economies were far more stable. Okay, we're not talking about a war now. Okay. The economy was somewhat stable, more stable, and we've had our ups and downs granted. But it's nothing like as tremendous we're looking at his, at this point. I mean, here in California, more than 60% of the homes that were sold in San Diego just in the month of December, mm-hmm. just in the month of December, are going to be in default by the end of this month. More Ouch. than 50%. Ouch. That, I mean, that that is trillions of dollars that's hurting our economy because the, and what, when I started telling people, hey, that was really screwed up, we should be doing this, people were saying, ah, oh, man, at least people are getting the chance to live the American dream. No, they weren't because they were getting houses they couldn't afford. And you know what? These companies knew that. And, you know, that's, and, that's, and, they, and they preyed on that because... Uh, just like they're preying on us now. Right. So they go ahead and they bring these people in and then say, okay, Karen, you know, if you really want this job and you need to compete with this guy from India and you've got to take this much lower salary, even though your house and your payments and everything else is based upon, you know, what you're supposed to be usually living, right? right? And by the way, we're not even going to make you an employee anymore. We're going to call you a contractor because we don't want to pay you benefits. We don't want to give you a 401K. We're going to misclassify you. All right, well, let me, let me ask you this. Let me ask you this from the, the evil company side. What if, what if a company said, hey, that's just the price of doing business. You, you don't have to work for me. You don't have to take my um, 
my terms. That's what they're you can doing. Go, you can go somewhere else, yeah. or you can start your own company. Well, there, that unfortunately, you, most people can't even afford to keep their house under their head for a list start a company. Okay. Mm. No, but the problem is that is what the companies are doing. This is what they're doing to us big time. They're extorting us. They're taking advantage of, of quote you to American corporate greed. I mean, it's like. What's one of the things that they're saying, hey, you want to come work? You want to have a job? You're going to have to call yourself a contractor. You may have to telecommute. We're going to have you pay our taxes. We don't want well, to. Hold on. How do, you, how do you mean you're going to have them pay, your, pay the company's taxes? You know, there's a really good article about this, and this is regarding misclassification. Right. And, you know, I wrote, I've been saying this for a while, and you've heard me say that. Yes, I have. About misclassification that, you know, you can go ahead and t- say that this person's a, a, a contractor. You could call them a, B, a business-to-business contractor. Mm-hmm. You could go ahead and say that I'm labeling this person a contractor. And like I've said, you could put lipstick on a pig, but it's still a darn pig. I've said that constantly to you. You heard me use those exact words. Oink, oink, oink. Exactly. I've seen people kind of copying that quite frequently, but that's okay. But the thing is, this is the issue that really gets to me is that you got a lot. This happening in our industry a lot recently, in mm. our industry especially. There's a lot of people out there working as quotation, quotation mark, contractors. Well, yeah, but you know, um, if the company is doing it right, uh, Very they, they, few are. Well, they can only work there as a contractor for a year. For, and only for a year. Then they'll have to get booted and then come back, what, three months later? Uh, they can't do They're not supposed to do that either. They're not That's supposed kind to, of but, sugarcoating it. That's yeah, kind of like, and but, they get busted for this too, by the way. I'm sure some companies will, but generally when for people who are consultants who may not know that, if but you, you know don't, what? you usually can work only a year, then they kick you out, and you, then maybe you can come back in three months but unless they convert to you reality. to perm. You see, they're not even supposed to be working in the office. They're not supposed to have a telephone number. They're not supposed to have their expenses. Wait, a minute, if you're a contractor, you can't work on no. a, on a on a wait, 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 wait. If you are a consultant for a company, you cannot have a desk on a company site and sit to. there. No, you're not supposed to. You're not supposed to have a desk. Your company is not supposed to pay your expenses. They shouldn't be paying for your tra- your traveling expenses or your training expenses. They should not have you have a phone number. You definitely are not supposed to be attending meetings. Hell no. So wait a minute. So as a so as a con- contractor, you basically are just. Virtual out there in the middle of nowhere. You 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 can't come out and show up for a meeting. That doesn't make any sense at all. No. Okay. And let me give you an example of what a real contractor is. Me. Right. I contact one of my clients. For example, I don't want to name a name because of Please a email. Don't. Because of an email. But let's say, for example, one of my con- my clients was say Enron. Mm-hmm. Which I will never work for Enron. Please note, but that's just using that. Well, you, can, you, can pick, you can pick on them because they're pretty. You can pick on them because what you're talking about is exactly. common knowledge. Exactly, we can't stand them. But let's just say that there were. I am a person who owns my own country company. Mm-hmm. Okay, I sent Enron. A, here's how much it costs to retain or to have my services on contingency. This is what I will do for you to make that money, and I will send you what you want, and don't bug me till then. Hmm. That is how contractors are supposed to be worked. You can't tell the person what to do. It's like when you go ahead and you have a person come into you can't interview, by the way. You're not supposed to ever interview any of the contractors that are working for you either. How, how can you hire someone without interviewing them? Because you're, you, most of these people will use a third party for the middleman for the contractors, I mean, right? so, wait, so you So if I'm going to hire a contractor, I have to hire a third party to interview for me? No, they do the payroll back office services. Okay. Okay, so what that so person minute. does... We'll Even do the back officers, what do they do with interviewing? You lost me. They do the interviewing. Okay, so if, I, if I'm going to hire a bunch of consultants to work for me, 
Mm-hmm. I need to hire a PEO or, or some some intermediary mm-hmm. to to handle the interviewing for me and handle the payroll and Absolutely. other stuff. Right, they have to handle the interviewing too. Absolutely. Why wouldn't I have a a, a search firm do the hiring and interviewing for me? You and can it, have a search firm doing it, but you still have a payroll office. But that means you're going to pay that person that pay that search firm or staffing firm to do the actual back office payroll for you too. You can't pay them directly. Well, you can if you're doing that, but you still shouldn't be doing any. Then you're still now you're making yourself into a risk of being the employer rather than having somebody else being more the intermediate employer. Okay. Wow. Okay. So you don't want to you want to get that away from you as well as as possible. But you see, if you're bringing that person in under the contract, and this is the problem, I'm gonna hear people saying, "Well, I have them working in my office." Let me tell you something. A recruiter cannot make straight commission. Hear it. I'm saying it. I'm telling you. Say it again. Say it again slower. Recruiters cannot make straight commission. We are not outside sales people. So if there's a recruiter out there who's working for a company and the company says, you know what, we want to work with you, because I've heard recruiters um, recruiters have approached me on this with this kind of question a lot of times. Mm-hmm. And they'll say, hey, you know what, I want to work for this company. They look pretty interesting, but they said, you know what, if you go out and find the client and fill the deal, then you work for us, and we'll give you a cut off of what you bring in. But see, and like, for me, that's, I am that's sort of that's sort of called pimp. Well, I, that's called like, a pimping, but I can have okay. There are sometimes another recruiter will contact me and say, hey, if I find a candidate for you, okay, will you and you get for you know fifty, you get. $10,000, I want 50% for bringing that candidate. Sure, okay. And that, mean, that means that to, as of today, until that person sends me a candidate, I don't have to talk to them. They send me a candidate, that's it. In other words, I'm working on them on, on a split contingency basis, okay? Mm. A recruiter, though, who you're calling an employee, hell no. You can't do that. Hell. Unless that person is saying, I'm going to have a business relationship where you can't give them raises, they can't make it, I mean, we are supposed to get minimum time and a half wages, okay? That is what we are. We are not exempt from this stuff. I mean, it's like, you know, I hear people going, no, we're exempt. We're not. No, we're not exempt from overtime. We are not exempt at all from overtime. You know what else is interesting, too, just because you brought that up? It brings to mind an article we were also we were talking about earlier uh, about um, overtime for uh, telecommuting employees. I'm reading just a, a quick paragraph from this article. Go for it. Um, as telecommuting becomes uh, more common throughout the United States workforce, it is important for employers to understand that whether an employee is entitled to overtime is determined by the employee's actual duties, mm-hmm. not where the work is performed. Thank you. If Thank an employee's you. job duties make him or her a non-exempt employee under FLSA or state law, the employer is obligated to pay for all time worked even for work performed from someone's home office Thank you. or at other external location. The fact that the employee is working from home, this is scary for a lot of companies, the fact that the employee is working from home does not change the requirement to pay overtime after 40 hours of work in a week. I forgot about this, and I'm grateful that you brought up, because i got to tell you, that is coming back to where recruiters are. Just because I work from home, you know, and just because I have a business, if you've got me working for you somehow or the other to be working as a midter, inter, as in another company, and I'm supposed to attend meetings, and I got to go in there, and they give me business cards, and they go ahead and give me an email address with the name of the company, guess what? I'm an employee. But see, from the company standpoint, say I have some consultants on on um, on uh, the payroll mm-hmm. right now, and they're okay. They're working forty hours, but how do I know? They could be working two hours. 
I don't know, because they're not here in the office. I can't see them. I it's can't. based upon what you ask them to do, results. It must be based upon results-driven. Okay, now what if someone does the work and it takes them eight hours, uh, or excuse me, it takes them uh, 30 hours to do, but they still charge me 40 hours? Or, okay, well, it doesn't, okay, here's the deal. Or it takes 52 hours. you got to tell them, I, listen, I need within four hours, five names, that's what you pay them for. So you're saying that the workaround that for companies is to be very specific in what they're asking for? Exactly. It must be And tie it to a certain number of hours? It's, okay, let's talk about this. And think of it this way. It's quite easy. you got a house. It needs to be painted, right? Yeah. You hire a contractor to come in and paint the house. Right. Are you going to interview the people who are going to be coming in and working for this contractor? Or are you just going to say, I'm choosing you because your works, I've heard, you, I've heard good things about you, right? Yeah. But you're not going to interview who works for him. Like if he hires us, picks up the some day laborers or something. Right. Yeah. He's going to have subcontractors working under him. You're not interviewing them, right? Right. Right. So now what happens is you say, look, I need this room painted blue. Here's the color I want. I want this one done red. I want this one done green. And I need this to be done by 5 o'clock this evening. Hmm. And here is how much it's going to cost. Can you do it? But now, if he wants to put, he can finish the job early or he can finish it late. If he finishes it late, it's going to be an expense. That means you have to deduct from his wages because you wanted it done at a specific time. All right, but but again, that's a situation where you can see the actual worker there. No, yes, well, you have tangible. If you say, for example, let's talk about recruiting. All right. Your tangible is names or candidates or something like that, right? Right. That's a tangible. Hmm. You can see what you want from these guys. So as a company, so, okay, so as a manager who's hiring um uh, recruiters on a contract basis can't hire. Don't ever use the word hire. Well, what's, if you what's the right word? That person, they become an employee. Okay, so so what's the word? Contract. If you contract an an individual for mm. a contract position, that means that they are working on a contractual basis. They should not be entering your offices. They should be working from home, and it must never be able to have. You must not be giving them control or direction. You should not be telling them what to do. How could I hire, how could I have them working for me if I can't tell them what to do? Because you have told them in an outline in your contract, you said this is what I need, this is how I need it, this is what I need to have done. Can you do it? Yes. Okay, and I can't tell you how you're going to do your job because you're a contractor. You can't conform to how I want you to do it. You can have to just do what I need done. All right. So go, so going forward, when I as a manager, a hiring manager, and I want to take when I, when I want to take on some consultants if that's the right way to say it. Mm-hmm. Um, when I um, contact them, I'll say, here's a contract. I'm looking specifically for one, two, and three, and I want it by this, uh, by this particular date um, every week. Or daily. Okay, I want you to I be want able to do, produce do. this amount daily or this amount weekly or this amount monthly. Exactly. Here's, the, here's, what I'm, here's what I'm paying you. Now, whether you can do it in 40 hours um, or less, it's fine. The price is going to be X. And you can't you, give bonuses. You can't give raises. Can I give a tip? Cannot give a tip. I can only give them. I can only give them the negotiated contract rate. If you do it, it's really kind of pushing me. It's like, for example, you can. For example, when you get a painter and he does a really good job, Mm. you might kind of like put a little bit extra on there, right? Right. Because he did. So you might be able to call it a tip, sort of, but you can't give that. You can't give incentives. I mean, in fact, somebody asked that just recently. What's the difference between a tip and an incentive? Well. 
It's like you're not really supposed to do the tip either. Okay? See, you say stuff like this is when, this is when you start that, scaring I'm, people because they're like. I'm being very cautious here. But see, not, but see, you're scaring people. You're scaring I'm, them. I, I'm, I, well, hey, I'm being. Don't scare me. Don't talk, Hey, you guys need to look this up as well, okay? It's like when you give them an incentive, that means mm. you give them an employee. You're making them an employee. You can't give incentives. You so can't give how would you define incentive versus tip? Well, that's where it gets scary, and that's why I would suggest not to do it. Okay, because if you go ahead and say you bring in this many more, people will give you 30%, and um, that's like looking at a raise or incentive. So it's going to be hard for you to define, I did it at the last moment and I did a tip. It's really kind of difficult to state that. Uh. So that's why it's kind of, I mean, really, I'm treading that one really carefully because it's like I'm thinking, for example, of waitresses, right? Mm Mm-hmm. And how waitresses, they make this very, they're allowed legally to make a very low employee raise, but they also don't take, you know, you pull in all the tips, and then you get a portion of it, right? Right. And so there's a kind of like a uniform, see, it must be uniform as well. Whatever you do for one person, you must do the same for everyone else as well. So if I give one contractor a tip. I need to tip everybody the same right. exact and amount. Right, I really kind of be straight because it then it really does classify upon what that person does for a living and what that person does for a job. So I would really kind of stay away from any type of incentive. Okay, that would be a good point to say. Although Karen is a legal fanatic, she is not a lawyer. This does not constitute legal advice. Please consult your own lawyer. That's a fantastic idea. But I want to read something here before I finish. Okay. Paul Craig Roberts was the Assistant Secretary of the Treasury in the Reagan administration. He is also the Associate Editor in the Wall Street Journal um, editorial page, Mm -hmm. a contributing editor of National Review, Mm -hmm. um, and he's also co-author of Tyranny of Good Intentions. Now, I have asked him and reached out to him, Mr. Roberts, okay, would you please allow us to interview you? I have begged, okay? (laughs) You're calling him out. Okay, but he wrote something that was interesting a second. I wanted to read this to you, okay? Okay. He puts that integrity is so lacking in America that the shortage myth serves the interests of universities, funding agencies, employers, and immigration attorneys at the expense of American students who naively pursue professions in which their prospects are dim. Initially, it was the blue-collar factory worker who was abandoned by the U.S. corporations and politicians. Now, it is the white-collar employees and Americans trained in science and technology. Princeton University economist Alan Blender estimates that there are 30 to 40 million high-end and service jobs that ultimately faced offshoring. And as I predict, and as BLS payroll jobs data indicate, in 20 years, the U.S. will have a third world workforce engaged in domestic non-tradable services. And that is already happening. Even our HR jobs are now being outsourced, too. Interesting. It's all um, very interesting, and I guess it it all will be revealed in the future. Um, If you have any questions or comments about any of these. uh, We will. (laughs) Why don't you put my email address on this one, too, because we will. I mean, this one is going to be up because recruiters, I mean, as I said, and I I I have used that for the last couple months I've been saying about the lipstick one Mm. because it's really true because people say, well, but I'm a contractor and my boss says I'm a contractor. And I'm like, dude. Just because they're calling you one doesn't mean that they want them. Somebody else said, well, I'm sure that this company has a great legal team. And I want to tell you guys something. FedEx, they did have a great legal team, didn't they? They had a tremendous amount of money. Explain that because you're losing people. Well, FedEx 
um, they just got sued. Two hundred million. Oh, sorry, three hundred and nineteen million dollar tax bill from the IRS because of misclassification. And right, right, that's right before Christmas. Mm. But this is going to get more expensive for them. See, they were misclassifying their their drivers, right, and as independent contractors. Right. The penalties for back taxes were just for 2002. The IRS is still auditing FedEx for 2004 through 2006, and the status of 2003 is unclear. Wow. And that's also not including the Department of Labor. And then Teamster, the union, they're gonna, they said the Teamster union thinks it's going to ultimately cost FedEx about a billion dollars. Well, they're going to fight this for as long as they can, okay? But this can cost FedEx. Now, you know... But if somebody tells me when when it's all over, the IRS is going to say we absolutely positively need to have our check overnight. Well, you see, IRS, what do you think, right? <laughs> let me, hold on, let me cut, because we're running, we're running a little on the well, time wait, there. Wait, 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 I want to also say something, too. Right mm. now, in regards to other people who are being sued, right now we're looking at a class action suit from pharmaceutical sales rep in Novartis. Because, yeah. I mean, again, people keep trying to think in-house salespeople are... Can be misclassified. You cannot misclassify inside salespeople. Okay, another one who's is Family Mutual's insurance. I mean, got to overtime, mm-hmm. and then California American Family Mutual Trust is also battling, battling demands for overtime as well for people who are working outside the office. These are all misclassification issues. Scary, 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 scary. And Cigna Healthcare is also going through this as well. If you have any questions or comments, let's try it a second time. If you have any questions or comments about any of this, uh, consult your lawyer first. Um, but you can also get some um, some cheap free advice, I guess, from, from Karen. But email her at Karen, K-A-R-E-N, at JimStroud.com. Or if you want to talk to me and say hello, um, you can. <laughs> hey, can I say something? Really no, I'm almost out of time. Because we got an email I would like to address, by the way. Uh, okay, really quick. Okay, um, there was a comment that was somebody who emailed us. About no names. I know again any names, of course. Who was not was kind of a little distressed about the fact that I la- I enabled one of the companies in our last podcast as being one of the better companies to work for. I remember that letter. Right. Well, I wanted to say something. Okay. Um, some people think that Walmart's a great company to work for. Okay, but yeah. they I, but they don't have statistics. Now, some people can't stand Walmart. Like, for example, I can't stand Google, and I have good reasons for not wanting to work for Google. Or, and also thinking Google's a lot of space to work, but that's personal, okay? And then there's I'm other, sure they're feeling that pain. Go on. I'm sure they do. Um, but this particular company that uh, they had questioned, or had questioned, they said, well, they didn't trust my statistics, and I had to kind of, like, in, endure some statistics that I had. All the information I had was based upon statistics. Now... One of the this company in particular was a large corporation with several divisions. Just and I, as I suggested to this individual, maybe that particular division that they worked for was not positive. Um, maybe they had a lousy boss, but I don't think we can judge a whole corporation. And I know I do that quite frequently. In <laughs> so I yeah, know. you know I didn't say anything. I was just, I was just gonna let that one go. But, but go I'm ahead. sorry, I could say it. I I could call myself out on that. You know. Yeah. Okay, so, you know, but I'm actually. But I know for a fact this particular corporation has done a lot to make, um, you know, to do extremely well to increase, improve their education, their diversity as a whole. And mm-hmm. in regards to their benefits to their employees, it's one of the best ones. I mean, and in fact, just to go to school, they'll pay you to go to school, and they, when, when you, and they pay you when you graduate. All very true. And I really appreciate that for this company as well. So, I mean, I 
I respect where they're coming from, but I also realize that, you know, we can make lemonade or we can make lemon ju- um, lemon juice. Lemonade or we can, you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah, Okay, yeah. yeah, yeah. All right. Okay. And on that note, or... Uh, Bye-bye, then. <laughs> are you sure? Yes. <laughs> if you haven't no, I already said all that, you know to call, email us, uh, Karen at JimStroud.com or JimStroud at JimStroud.com. If you want to talk to me, chances are you don't. You want to talk to her, but if you do, you can reach me at JimStroud, G-I-M-S-T-R-O-U-D, at JimStroud.com. Um, so if all hearts and minds are clear, I'll say bye-bye. Bye-bye, everybody. Bye-bye, I'm Jim. Bye-bye. Well, that's it for this show. You've been a wonderful audience. If you like what you heard, love what you heard, or (laughs) just plain hate what you just heard, uh, let me know. Your feedback matters. You can reach me through my website at jimstroud.com slash podcast. That's J-I-M-S-T-R-O-U-D dot com slash podcast. So until next time, I'm Jim Stroud, and you're not. And so this ends this edition of the Retro Lounge, home of classic episodes of the Recruiter's Lounge podcast. If you haven't already, uh, subscribe now so you don't miss a future episode. Okay, cool. Until next time, bye-bye. Bonjour. This is Fabulously Delicious, the French food podcast. I'm Andrew Pryor, and every week I bring you the wonderful and fabulous people involved in French food. Whether they're here in France like me or from around the world. Each week, we dive into a specific topic, be it a French dish, an ingredient, or a French cuisine cooking technique. My guests are all about French food. So, come join me on Fabulously Delicious, the French food podcast. Bon app!